Hey, everybody. Welcome to a special edition of the Recovering Hypocrite Podcast. This is, of course, still the uh, Quarantined Hypocrite Podcast, and that means this is not an interview. Uh, this is me rambling on a topic that I feel like rambling about. Today, what I want to ramble about is the idea of civil disobedience. It's something that uh, I thought about a couple weeks ago, and actually even promised everybody I was going to do an episode on this, but uh, the, the moment seemed to pass as everyone was not really talking or thinking about those things, at least not in my circles anyway, uh, anymore. But in the last week or so, it has popped up even more. Uh, even here in Michigan on the day that I'm posting this, uh, in fact, I'm recording this at 11 a.m. on Wednesday, whatever the day, <laughs> the date is, it all blends together for me. Um, in about an hour, there's going to be a protest uh, down uh, by the Capitol in Lansing, uh, a gridlock kind of thing where people are going to gridlock with their cars to protest the uh, the way that we are kind of in and shelter in place for the rest of the month and all the the different aspects of that. And so uh, it, it seems like it is a good time to talk about this. I'm having more people reach out to me on social media and email about this topic again. So I figured uh, I'm going to ramble about this. I don't know how long this episode is going to be. I'm just going to ramble, give my best thoughts on a, a Christian's a scriptural approach to civil disobedience, and then try to apply it a little bit to the situation that we are in. And so um, I'll do my best. Uh, this is likely to be one of those episodes that offends some people, and some people are going to categorically disagree with me, uh, Christians and non-Christians alike. Uh, but knock yourself out. I'm a big boy. I can handle the disagreement. A little sip of coffee there. Okay, so here here we go. Um, what we're going to do is we're going to start by kind of looking um, at some scripture uh, as it relates to the idea of uh, government and a Christian's responsibility toward government. And uh, a lot of the New Testament of the Bible is written in the era of the Roman Empire. And the Roman Empire was an empire that was not only um, rampant with sin on an individual level, but it was also rampant with sin and corruption at a institutional and systematic level. There was ritualized prostitution as part of their culture. Uh, in There was slavery, which is was a norm. There was extortion found at every level of the government. And the tax code was so complicated um, that it was changed so often people couldn't really kind of keep up with the tax code. In fact, uh, there were, I remember reading about some crazy extra taxes uh, that would just get randomly added, like a voluntary gift uh, to the government anytime the empire won a war. And so it's kind of like, we're going to tax you more so we can restart the economy and stuff like that. There was an exorbitant tax anytime someone freed a slave, which in itself, it was a systematic a way of um, making sure that slavery continued because it was too expensive to set your slaves free. And so this was the whole social and governmental system in, in, in Rome. And uh, I guess I should have marked my pages here, but in Romans uh, 13 is probably the most famous passage. It's the one I quoted a couple weeks ago. Um, related to um, uh, our relationship with government. And this is what it says in Romans 13, starting in verse 1. It says this. It says, Let everyone submit to the governing authorities, since there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are instituted by God. So then, the one who resists the authority is opposing God's command, and those who oppose it will bring judgment 
on themselves. And, and that's not the only place where um, those uh, words like that uh, show up. There's another spot in Titus, in Titus chapter 3, um, where Paul writes this to uh, Titus, who was a guy on the island of Crete, um, who was going through all the church plants that were on the island and helping them establish leaderships and try to get their um, their new local churches kind of rolling in, in a biblical way. And this is what he told them. He, uh, Titus uh, chapter 3, it says, Remind them to submit to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work, to slander no one, to avoid fighting, and to be kind, always showing gentleness to all people. And so kind of here is the overarching uh, thought on on civil disobedience, or our, at least our relationship uh, with the culture. This is a Christian's relationship with a non-Christian culture. What's our strategy? Well, if we look at, uh, at Titus 3, here it is. It's to submit uh, to authority, to obey authority, to be ready to do good, to avoid slandering people. It says, don't slander no one, avoid fighting, be kind, always showing gentleness to everyone. Now, let's think about all of those little bits, especially as it relates to our relationship with uh, governing authorities. The very first thing he says is remind them, that's remind the people in the church, remind Christians. So these are words from the Apostle Paul to Christians. He says, remind Christians to submit to rulers and authorities. Um, Does that mean uh, the local government? Does that mean the state government? Does that mean the national government? Uh, the answer is yes, yes, and yes. And, and note that Paul doesn't throw in a whole lot of qualifiers for us. And so broadly speaking, this means things like pay your taxes. I was helping my daughter finish her taxes up yesterday and uh, paying your taxes. Um, but what if you don't agree with how the government's spending your money? you pay your taxes anyway. I mean, even Jesus said, uh, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. There's a, Caesar's face is stamped on this, uh, give to him what is his and give to God what is God's. So like, for instance, I, I live in Delhi Township. One of the most frustrating things for me in Delhi Township is our, our sewer tax. And the reason our sewer tax is so frustrating to me is, is, is it's based on our water usage, but it's always more than our water bill, which is crazy. So I, there, I just don't understand why I'm paying more to have water run away than I am to the water that I use. But there's part of me that thinks it's exorbitant. Part of me thinks it's ridiculous. And we we pay those taxes. We just pay those. We we don't complain about it. We just pay it anyway. Um, and that was kind of, like I said, Jesus's posture. When Jesus uh, had someone bring him a coin and say, should we pay our taxes? He said, whose face is stamped on the coin? It's Caesar's. Well, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. Give to Caesar what is Caesar's. Jesus didn't fight against the Roman tax code system or how they spent their taxes. And remember, I said earlier how they spent their taxes, how they do it. They did things like they taxed people to set slaves free. They, they, they used this, this, these taxes for evil. And yet Jesus said, pay your taxes anyway. So what about the idea of civil disobedience then? How do we, how do we posture ourselves with that? Well, it's my belief um, that civil disobedience is only appropriate when the government usurps God's authority. This is what I mean by that. You can take a look at this in the book of Acts. Um, this is one of the passages that people have brought up to me quite a bit, so I want to just look at it here. In Acts 4, what we see is the apostles, um, the, the early guys who kind of launched the church, they were dragged before the high council. And uh, this is what the high council said to them. If you go to Acts chapter 4, it says... Uh, 
verse 18, it says this. After they dragged them before them, it says, uh, um, I'm just going to start in verse 16. It says, what should we do with these men, the, the apostles? For an obvious sign has been done through them, clear to everyone living in Jerusalem, and we can't deny it. But so that this does not spread any further among the people, let's threaten them against speaking to anyone again in this name. Again, that's the name of Jesus. So it says this, they called for them and ordered them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Did you catch that? They ordered them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. There's some important words in there. And, and Peter and John answered them and said, whether it's right in the sight of God for us to listen to you or rather than to God, you decide, for we are unable to stop speaking about what we have seen and what we have heard. And then it says, after threatening them further, they, they release them. So, so here's what he's saying. Eventually, these guys get released. And they, and, and actually this is where it gets really good. I, I forgot about this. When they leave, um, it says the apostles prayed this prayer. You can find this in Acts 4 verse 27. It says this, for in fact, this is their prayer. Um, in this city, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, those are the leaders of the city, the governing authorities, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel assembled together against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. What is he saying? Everybody, all the governing officials, everybody in town, everyone in Israel, everyone in the empire, they're all kind of against Jesus here. And it says to do whatever your hand and your will have predestined to take place. Did you see that? to do whatever your hand and your will had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, consider their threats and grant that your servants may speak your word with boldness while you stretch out your hand for healings and signs and wonders are performed throughout the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they're speaking was shaken and they're all filled with the Holy Spirit and begin to speak the word of God boldly. So check out what happened. This is kind of the timeline, a little bit of what happened. The government had been usurping uh, God's authority. So this was not just a, um, a, a limitation on what they were doing. It was a complete usurping of God's authority. The governing officials said, do not teach or speak at all about Jesus. And so what did the apostles pray? They prayed some crazy things. Um, they believed that in a sense, what the governing officials were doing was within the will of God. They said that. They said uh, uh, right in the middle, to do whatever your hand and your will have predestined to take place. So they, they believed that the governing officials were wrong, and they believed that the governing officials were doing what they should do because they were within the will of God. So God's will still sits inside of, even when governing authorities does stuff that we don't agree with. Uh, and so th at that point, when they were told, you may not teach or preach at all, they said, well, this is the will of God that the governing officials should say this, and God give us the strength and the power to preach boldly anyway. And it says they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they went out and preached. And that was their civil disobedience. So here's the kind of paradox there. Um, they, they believed that God was ultimately in control of every authority. And they believed that there were moments where they must disobey that authority. What was the moment? Well, this is what I, I, I believe. I believe that when the government, government usurps and completely eliminate uh, God's authority and eliminates and says, you cannot worship God, you can civilly disobey. So let's think about this for a second. Does that apply in our situation? So let, let, let's think about it. If the government says, you may not worship God, we must disobey. If the government says, you must kill an innocent life, 
we must disobey. If the government forbids uh, or commands us to worship idols or or to worship people, we, we must disobey. Um, th- there is a time and there's a place for civil disobedience. And that time is when government usurps God's authority. However, civil disobedience, I don't believe, is scripturally allowed because the government simply limits your freedom. I think it's allowed when the government uh, negates our freedom Um, because, quite frankly, all um, laws, in a sense, limit freedom. Uh, Taxes limit how you spend your money. Um, uh, Speed limits uh, limit how fast you're supposed to drive your car. And we don't like to be limited at all because we have... um, a sense in which we think we are the ultimate authority in our lives, and we don't like to submit to authorities. And we tend to disobey authorities because we see, um, um, not because we see that an authority is is usurping God's authority, we tend to want to disobey authority because we think they're usurping ours. We think they're usurping our right to do things. And so when those times come, we think we should disobey. Now, there are times to civilly disobey. And and when those times come, we need to do a couple things. One, we need to disobey. And then the second is we need to be ready to just cheerfully and joyfully accept the consequences. So um, one email that I got recently, someone um, was um, concerned about the fact that we had uh, were, were temporarily moving our services online um, saying that in, we should civilly disobey because it, it, what we're showing is that the next thing that we're going to do is uh, at Riverview will perform uh, gay marriages, for instance. So let's think about that one as an example. This is a tough one, but just work through with me um, because I've talked with gay friends of mine about this before. Um, and we've talked about whether I would perform their weddings because now the law of the land is that a gay marriage is as legal as heterosexual marriage. Um, and what I've said to my gay friends is I wouldn't in a clear conscience be able to do so because I think that it violates scripture. And so, so, so one of the guys who emailed me said, hey, it's just like, are you going to start doing gay weddings now? No, I'm not. But what would happen if the government said that if I didn't do it, I would go to jail? Then I would cheerfully go to jail um, because I think scripture is abundantly clear. And it's commanding something that goes against scripture. So when government usurps authority completely, uh, that's... Um, that's when we civilly disobey. Now, notice all the things, by the way, just kind of as a little tangent um, that were wrapped up in that little story. Um, just because someone is gay doesn't keep them from being my friends. Um, I, I know what I believe Scripture teaches about orthodox um, views on, on sexuality, um, but that doesn't change my friendship uh, with people. Uh, in fact, my my friends that I have who are gay know that my view on that. I also believe uh, that marriage is something between a man and woman and that the government, uh, even though they've made a law about that, that doesn't change what scripture teaches. And, and government has the right. I never protested when this law came up because the government has the right to permit evil. It has a right to permit things that scripture forbids. They do it all the time. What, what the government doesn't have the right to do is to command me to do evil. And the day that the government tells me to disobey God is the day that I'll disobey the government instead. And then I'll bear the the consequences with a a, a good submissive attitude. So let's go back to that Titus passage, because I think this gives us a roadmap. 
Um, Titus 3, again, I should really should have marked these. Uh, Titus 3, um, is, it says, remind them to submit to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready to do every good work, check this out, to slander no one, to avoid fighting, be kind, always show gentleness to all people. See what he's saying? He says, we should be people who are ready to do good. It's not just being good, it's being ready to do good at a moment's notice because we're people who live on a mission. Um, because as soon as we become followers of Jesus, in our culture, our reputation becomes Jesus's reputation. And so we should have this posture that we are ready to obey and to do good every single day. And, and when Paul says here not to slander anyone um, and avoid quarreling, the word slander actually comes from the word blasphemo, um, which is where we get the word blaspheme, and it literally means hurling abuse. And so followers of Christ, even if we civilly disobey, we are not to be people who hurl abuse. We are not to be people who quarrel. So can we disagree with politicians or celebrities or pastors or churches or journalists? Yes, but we must do so as followers of Jesus in a way that does not hurl abuse at them. Um, basically, what Paul is saying is a Christian ought to be somebody who keeps his cool, somebody who is gentle with other people and humble regardless of the situation um, that they're faced with. And so you think about, again, over the whole context right now, when you're confronted with a, an authority figure that you disagree with, what is your posture toward them? Later on in, in Titus 3, he, he says this, uh, starting in verse 3, he says, For we too were once foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved by various passions and pleasures, uh, living in malice and envy, hating and detesting one another. But when the kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us, not by works of righteousness that we had done, but according to his mercy, through the washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit, he poured out his Spirit on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we may become heirs uh, with the hope of eternal uh, life. Um, and so basically what he's saying is we as followers of Jesus are changed people. So the way that we do things, whether that is the way we obey or the way that we civilly disobey should be different than the way that the world around us is. And so just that should be our, our litmus test. Something we should be asking ourselves, is the way I am doing this, whatever this is, is this honorable and showing a changed life and following Jesus, gentle, respectful of authority, even when we disagree? I have to tell you, there are times, especially in this crisis right now, where I'm finding it hard to be respectful of authority. And, and yet that is what we are called to do. So what is my position and how this relates right now? So we are being told right now to temporarily uh, shelter in place. We're told that the, the, the coronavirus thing that is out there is uh, going to uh, spread more if we're around people more, if we're close to people. So we're asked to do this during the season. And there's some people who disagree. There's people who disagree um, because um, 
They think that God will miraculously heal them if they are uh, come close to somebody who has the virus. There are people who think that they disagree because politically they don't want their freedom taken away and they're afraid about they're more afraid about their liberty. Some people are selfish and they just want to do what they want to do. Um, we all have different positions on this. Um, and yet uh, we are to be people who submit to authority. The authority right now, uh, whether that be Governor Whitmer, President Trump, uh, whoever uh, right now is in authority of ours, um, they are not completely usurping authority. They are saying, don't for a season gather together um, because it is a loving one another moment. And we live in a wonderful time in history where we can temporarily move our services online. And I long to be back with you every, like this weekend after our Easter services, I, I just, I, I felt like I was doing digital handshakes all day. I was texting and tweeting and, and Facebook messaging back and forth with people all day long. And everybody was saying, man, that was a great service. And we long to be back together again. And that's exactly how I feel. I long to be back together again. And we don't know when we're going to be able to do that. We don't know when it is going to be safe and wise, but we want to love our people. There are too many stories, be that in Italy or South Korea or France or Virginia, of, of churches that have become petri dishes of this virus um, because they were unwilling to submit to the governing authorities. And so we're not going to do that. And so I don't know what that means for now. I don't For now, it means, I know what it means for now. I mean, for now, we're going to continue to meet uh, digitally. I don't know what that's going to mean about us gathering back together, how how long it's going to take, or, or where there may be places where we feel like we should gather. Um, we just don't know that yet. But for right now, our posture is going to be to be people who uh, respect authority, um, who who submit to authority um, because we are still able to, in an unconventional way for a temporary season, gather together. We're not being told not to do that. And so we're going to continue to do everything we can to love uh, one another, um, to submit to authority, uh, because we don't feel like right now it's time to civilly disobey. Uh, uh, at least the order to not gather together in our churches. So that's it. Uh, those are my random thoughts on civil disobedience. Uh, hopefully this made uh, a little bit of sense. And uh, please uh, stay safe. Um, represent Jesus well, because your reputation is Jesus's reputation in our culture right now. Um, and, and at the same time, pray for opportunities like the early church did to boldly proclaim the gospel. I'll tell you, there have been some amazing opportunities we've had uh, to share the gospel because of this situation. Um, and, and and I'm always blown away how God takes something uh, that is meant for evil and he uses it for good. Oh, by the way, I forgot one great illustration my friend Timothy gave me, um, is that the situation that we're in right now, um, it's not like a situation in China or uh, some other country where they may say, uh, um, or some places in the Middle East where they say, you cannot gather together as Christians. Um, we're in a, in a place where it's like an active shooter. There's an active shooter out there right now that could take down some of our people, and they're asking us to protect our people by staying in our houses. And I thought that was a great illustration. So let's keep protecting our people. Let's stay safe. Um, I love you. God bless you. Hopefully uh, this was helpful a little bit in thinking through these things. Have a great day. Thank you.